I did hey, go well, to it. Well, let's get into it, man. Let's get into oh, it man. then. Look, welcome to another. What was the name of? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> too many podcasts. <laughs> podcasts. Running too many. Welcome podcasts. to just another podcast and the bonus. Nah. <laughs> just another bonus. <laughs> Sorry, Messing up the bonus in the podcast. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, welcome to In The Bonus Podcast. We are excited to be back with you guys for another episode. Um, today, we're going to switch it up. We're going to get away from the stats a little bit and talk about um, a topic that's a little bit more, more dear, near and dear to our hearts. Um, mm. and so with February being uh, Black History Month, we kind of want to dive into some, some different topics, right? Um, and so before we get into that, how y'all fellas been? Man, it's been it's been all right. It's been a good weekend for me. Uh, it was cool. It was chill. Just hung out, man. Handled some uh, some stuff on the side. What about you guys? My mom, my, my weekend was fine, man. Just sitting in the house, chilling with the family. Not much going on for me. What about you, Trey? I was cooling, man. I ain't do much. Uh, yeah, just cleaned up. Nothing really. Bought a, bought a few things, but chilling, man. Did you do weekend. disc golf? No, nah, I didn't need disc golf this weekend. No. Nah. Yeah. I hooped this weekend. First time in a while. It was pretty dope. Had some good runs out there. Everything, Where? everything was straight. Where'd you hoop at? Hooped at uh, Fort Bragg on post. At Funk Gym? Nah, Pope. Hercules. Hercules jump. Yeah. Bet, bet. Um, so today we did want to talk to talk about some more historic elements of the sport. Um, as we all know, um, HBCUs, which are historically black colleges and universities, definitely play a big role in the lives of many black athletes who decide to play uh, basketball, football, any sport at the collegiate level. Um, and so we, I kind of wanted to start there, right? Um, and so when we think about um, historically black colleges and universities, um, we know that these, most of these schools were started back before the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, and really provided opportunities for people of color to really get an opportunity um, to get an education. Um, and I know for some of us, as you see, see me representing, uh, North Carolina Century uh, University is where I went to undergrad. Um, so, what do you, what are you guys' general thoughts? Um, I know some of us have have varying thoughts. Well, what are you guys' thoughts about HBCUs and kind of their role in, in education currently? First thing I want to say is Eagle Pride, Eagle Pride, Amplified. Uh huh. E Funk. E Funk. <laughs> It's somebody else up here that's an eagle. Come on, Dominique. You got E Funk. You supposed I don't to say none of that stuff, man. I was only there for you a year, know. man. You um, I love HBCUs. I love the immersion of black culture and being around people who look like me and come from uh similar backgrounds. Um, I love that there is a focus on how to navigate the professional world coming from the backgrounds that we come from. 
Um, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop there and, and let somebody else pick up. You can go, Dre. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say like looking, looking at it from, you know, strictly like a historical standpoint, just, you know, the reason that, that they were invented, you know, back then, you know, before the civil rights acts, all that, like us African-Americans having a place to, you know, continue studying and, and, you know, get degrees and, and be able to, to be in those places that, you know, we couldn't be in, or it was segregated, anything back then, you know what I'm saying? So me personally, I was only at North Carolina Central for a year. Um, now that I look at it, I'm, I'm older. Um, the reasons I, I, I thought I didn't like North Carolina Central was just because I wasn't making the best of the situation. Um, but being at HBC at HBCU was pretty dope. Being around my own kind, uh, I mean, it was dope to be. What you What you mean when you was like you ain't make the best of your situation? So me personally, I felt like my situation, as far as like, it could be something as simple as like a roommate. Like my my environment being in Baines, it wasn't the best uh, place to stay at. So that's how I kind of made my whole opinion of HBCU being where I stayed at. So, I mean, I wasn't happy with that, but like looking at it, you know what I'm saying? Now, I think being essential was actually dope, but um, I just took a different route, went to the army. So you feel like, do you think that it was strictly like the roommate situation or like you personally not taking advantage of what, what you thought the school had to offer? Like you think it would have been different if you was at a PWI? Uh, looking at it now, I don't think it'd be this, it it probably would have been the same. Like, I mean, I felt like I was a little bit more mature than most people at that age. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I feel like my mind was on getting a, a degree. A lot of people, when they first get to college, they were just focusing on like partying, uh, Facts, girls, bro. things like that. Facts. I was, I was locked in on getting my degree. I mean, y'all know I was working when I was in college, so I was really yeah. locked in. So I think my... Thing, just how I feel about HBCUs has changed since I've grown a little bit older. Mm. Looking at the whole situation. Uh, just for clarification, for those who may not know, HBCU stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities, and PWI stands for Predominantly White Institutions. So a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, and then just kind of go into it because I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you guys. We we kind of know each other's stories. But I know when I decided to go to Central, it had nothing to do with it being a black school, right? right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm actually, this is going to be fun because I'm about to tell y'all something. That <laughs> we I don't get know why I should tell y'all this on the podcast. Nah, go but ahead, I remember, I, I, I remember no traveling. No, names. no, bro, when I tell this story. But I remember us traveling to Durham. I don't know if you guys remember this. We were definitely remember that. <laughs> we were looking to get extra credit for senior senior course. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to visit a museum. We miss and it's funny because we we didn't quite make it right. So the museum closed before we got there, y'all. So you got to think as kids driving from where we're from, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, to Durham was like a journey. It was an event. So shout out to Dominique. Uh, Dominique was driving. 
We all, I think we almost, I think we almost crashed watching a movie. I saved everyone. Um, <laughs> you almost killed. You almost killed some people hey, a few man, times, sure but that's another it. story. We almost we crashed talking in the, about that. In the like, '94 <laughs> Grand Marquis. Make sure y'all mention that. You know, it was, in the it, it, was, it was candy painted purple. Yeah. Purple too. Yeah. Took us a lot of places, man. Bro, I'm surprised we never got pulled over. You ever, this is a, this is completely off topic, but you ever got pulled over in uh while it was purple? I mean, this, this goes with the whole conversation about black history. Man, I definitely got pulled over twice in Nick neighborhood. Bro, he did. It looked like a trap car though, bro. He yeah, looked like he was had, selling I dope. Pull, I had people pull up next to me, say, you got that gas? I said, uh, I don't do that, brother. Y'all, y'all want to paint a picture <laughs> what he had. Imagine a Grand Marquis with some big old rims on it <laughs> and painted, can he paint it purple? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that was looked the vibe like a back dope in the day, boy though, car. I mean, that was the vibe back in the day. That boy would never have to worry about a flood. Cool, go ahead, finish your story. Please. Right, right, everybody all off track. So we, we in the car, we go all the way to Durham. I'm not gonna say no names, but somewhere along the trip between us leaving and dying, someone realized. Uh oh, I think cool. Uh, cool, cool, cool but we, long hold story up, hold short. Up. Hold up, cool. Yes, Restart. Sir. Do it again. You said somewhere between somewhere we realized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, can you guys hear me better now? Yeah. 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 So somewhere between leaving Rocky Mount and getting to the museum, someone realizes we may not make it. Right. Now, mind you, we don't went all this way, so we got to go. So we like, yo, I think they might close earlier today. It's the weekend. So we pull up. We get there about five minutes after they close. <laughs> mind you, everybody's doing great in this class. You know, we was it was a senior seminar course. Um, so we ended up not not getting the extra credit, not being able to get into the museum. And so we we drive around Durham, North Carolina, and we see Central. And the funny thing about it is originally I was like, bro, I definitely want to come here. I think we all said that when we was driving by. Like, yep. We just left Duke campus. We looking at Central. Darmo <laughs> like, man, my cousin go here though. Straight like, my mom used to go here, but I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and lo and behold, four out of five of us ended up going. Um, and so kind of what, what went into your decision making? Cause I know personally, I didn't go because it was a HBCU. I think that's one of the benefits that I got out of it afterwards, but what was kind of some of the things that pushed you guys towards Central? So my situation, I had family ties. Like you said, my cousin went there, uh, my cousin's mother went there. So I got family ties there. And then actually a PWI, the only school I really, really wanted to go to didn't even accept me. I wanted to go to UNCG. That's the only school that did not accept me to go to their college. So Central was my second was second on my list. So that's where I went. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go, I'll go last. Cause my, I think I have a long story, so. <laughs> And I know Larry you went go. to Livingstone. Yeah, Larry went to Livingstone. Y'all all know. For people who don't know me, I hated school with a passion. I won't think about no type of education, you know, but we grow, don't we? Yeah, all that. Yeah. But <laughs> but 
I was uh, the only reason I was even interested in going to any type of university was for to hoop. Simply just to hoop. I should my mind been on the education more? Yes, definitely should. But I barely made it out of high school. We talking about college, <laughs> but I I went to uh, I started at Livingstone. I was a blue bear. All these eagles in here. But <laughs> it, I, I didn't even go for a while. I, I went for a, a little while and then uh, I just stopped going. Wasn't feeling it. Coaches sold me a lemon. Didn't like it. I was going to mm-hmm. switch, try to switch schools, but I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. And then I pulled an old Dominique over here and, and Nick and joined the Army. Mm-hmm. Still in to this day. Yeah, so let's let's get y'all answers towards that. What, unless you wanted to answer that before we continue, Trey, but I wanted to say, I know you guys went into the Army. What kind of went into your decision to to pivot from college to the Army? Get away from home. Go see something new. Uh, Army has vast opportunities out there. Taking advantage of all of them. So, so me personally, I began to look at those student loans I was getting. And then I realized that going into the reserves, because that's about, that was the route I was taking originally, going to the reserve, that pay for my college, and it uh, already had me a career once I uh, finished my uh, education. So that was my thought process in it. I was going to just uh, do that and have my loans paid off. I mean, that was the way I was going to do things. But then I eventually was like, I'll forget that I'll just go active duty and go ahead and start my career and get my education while I was in like I did. Now I have my master's, I have my bachelor's and master's, so. I wasn't even in long enough to even accumulate any student loans. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no wrong with that. What's, um, what's your story, Nick? Why you, why you join? I guess I got to start with why I went to Central and then I'll go military. So I went to Central. I wasn't even, wasn't even on my radar. I, we all had, because the school that we went to, we had to apply to a college. We had to get accepted to any college. It didn't matter. Um, it could have been a, a, a community college. But, so Central was on my list, but um, there was a school called Oakwood University down in Birmingham, Alabama, because I grew up seven day at Venice and it's one of the uh, schools. I was dating this girl. I'm gonna, she's gonna remain nameless. Um, we're gonna call her kate yeah i i I keep just dropping the breadcrumbs (laughs) um (laughs) i thought i would well i would i was just so in love with this girl you know and um she was going to oakwood but then i i was like oh well i think i want to be a lawyer and i was like well they don't really have a, a legal or a law program down there did not look, someone was like, oh, you know, Central's got like a new law school that's just been built. They got a great law program. It's like a really great value. And I was like, oh man, I never even thought about going to Central. I would still be in North Carolina and pay in-state, you know, payments. And I would not be too close, not too far from home, but far enough to get away from home. Um, Cause I grew up in a mad strict household. So, you know, I brought that to uh, her attention and then, you know, she was just like, oh, well then we just gonna set a date to break up. And I was like, you know, me being a- 
Dang. emotional about it. I was like, well, bump it. I'm just going to go. Went to Central. I was there. I went there for a year, uh, my freshman year, and I cut loose. I was like one of them freshmen that you saw that year. And then the next year, you're like, dang, who was that dude again? What was his name? <laughs> um, but I was there for a year. And yeah, I, I really, I really cut loose a couple of times. The guys pulled me to the side and, you know, it was like, man, what is going on? But I was, you know, I was going to do my own thing. Um, but I poo-pooed away my second semester. First semester, A's and B's. Second semesters, uh, like D's, F's. And I was like, you know what? I can't be in here just wasting my time and just racking up money. So then I was like, you know what? My mother went to the army. My dad was in the army. Um, my sister, my uncles, my aunts. I was like, you know what? We've made a business about going to the government. So I was like, I'm just gonna go to the army and go reserves and they're gonna pay for my school. So that's what drove my decision to uh, go to the army. What, what did everybody uh, major in in school? <clears throat> well, oh. I, well, you go ahead. So uh, I have my bachelor's in uh, criminal justice, then I have my master's in uh, uh, IT. I got my uh, psychology degree that I used for two months, and that's it. <laughs> what you got, Nick? Um, I have a degree. I, I just got my degree on December 5th, 2020. Took me 10 years to get it, but I got it. Hey, and uh, business years. marketing. That's what I got my name. Yeah, so I, I got my degree in pharmaceutical sciences, and then I ended up getting my doctorate of pharmacy later uh, from Chapel Hill. Um, but I think it's an interesting dynamic because a lot of you listening, whether you're our age or even if you're younger, especially as black men in America, you kind of get to that crossroad where you have to make a decision. Am I going to go into the workforce? Am I going to go to college or am I going to go to the military? Right. And so I think all of us had a very unique path on which direction we chose, but I think you remain options right um and if you're not an athlete college may not be may not have the same opportunities for everybody right and so i think north carolina especially with such a rich history um we have i think it's 12 hbcus uh we have shaw university bennett livingstone we have johnson c smith st aug elizabeth city state um, Winston-Salem State, North Carolina Central University, North Carolina A&T. Um, so North Carolina is definitely a hub for sure. I don't know if we have the most out of any other state, um, but we definitely have a, a huge population of HBCUs. Um, and do you guys in general, do you guys remember, um, I guess, HBCU influence before graduating? Like, did you have any teachers that went to HBCUs or um, did you ever hear about HBCUs in curriculum as far as um, schooling or anything like that? Um, I remember there being some of our teachers who went to HBCUs, but I don't remember them talking so heavy about it. I think we heard more about them being in like sororities and fraternities than we did about 
the school that they went to. Uh, where, where did Miss um, Bunting go? Didn't she go? Did she go to the Central? Oh, she went to State. She went to NCC. She went to <laughs> NC State. So yeah, and I mean, I know I feel like I didn't really get my first dose of HBCU until we went on that trip to Morehouse. You guys remember that trip? I remember. And I never went, but I remember you guys going. Yeah, I remember y'all went. Yeah. Oh, so oh, maybe was it? It, it was, was just me. you and it was, it was just Trey and, and cool. Cause y'all oh, went to the y'all went with the class prior to us. Yeah, we went right. with Deepberry and them. Remember? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they I feel like y'all. I don't like as far as like the influence, like just hearing about HBCUs. I think the only time I would hear, like it may sound bad, but it would it would be like for like band, you know, like like mm -hmm. great musical um, bands, and then um, you know just like like culture stuff like you'll hear like this influencer went this actor went and you know that's pretty much it so i think our experience was a little different because we didn't go to a public school i think we would have went to a public school it may have been pushed on us a lot more so that's just my opinion on it yeah and i feel like i appreciated the like afterward like, i didn't get into it earlier about like central but you know, being there and and experiencing the culture, I ain't get appreciation for it until afterward. And and although it didn't like dictate my decision beforehand to go, I realized like the high school we were in, it wasn't a lot of like black culture. You know what I'm saying? It was pretty much us that that was you know providing that. And you know, going to Central and going to HBCU. It was not a culture shock, but it's like, this is what I was missing. You know what I'm saying? This is why I didn't get in uh, in high school. Do y'all, do you guys remember? I remember there was a few schools who like really had culture. I can remember Weldon. Um, I can remember Winston-Salem uh, Prep. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I guess because they were so close to Winston-Salem State. Mm. They, their culture was different. I remember like the cheerleaders used to sing like a choir. I remember <laughs> yeah, like yeah. their their style of cheerleading was different. And I remember one school had a band like during yeah. the basketball that game. Was that was crazy. That was yeah, that was Wilder. Yeah. So that I think just broke. at Golden Girl and our school. one school in uh, Greenville. I, I think it's because our, our school, our high school didn't, um, I don't think it had all the the necessary tools as a lot of the other schools um, for us to have like that full experience. Um, it was a budding school. The school hadn't been open, but what, like 10, 15 years, something yeah, like school that? school was created in 2000, if I'm not mistaken, or like yeah. 97, something like that. Yeah, so I feel yeah. like they. I feel like their goals were just different too. Like they needed mm -hmm. all of us to get into college to, rem, you know, remain getting the funding that they needed. I guess. Yeah. Like their numbers had to be a certain certain mm -hmm. way, so they like the extracurricular stuff was just extra. Like they they didn't care either way. We had no music program. The art program was like what? Because like when did the music program start? Like kind of right when we graduated. Like yeah, when did, like when did, because Jolly took over, right? Jolly, yeah. Jolly was playing keyboard and coaching at the same time. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. at halftime. <laughs> he did. I forgot they used to have the the piano in the gym in the corner. Um, we yeah. that's Shout out right, to Jolly Manning, y'all. Yeah. 
So, so I, I know, I know for a lot of, for a lot of athletes, right? So, because that was the only place people would go for so long, that was kind of the avenue to get to the next level, right? And so, of course, as time has changed and progressed, there are a lot of opportunities for top athletes from our communities to play at these bigger schools, these D1 schools. Um, and so a lot, there's a lot of debate on how much revenue, especially that sports in general bring into universities, right? Um, and so if you think about the bigger schools, even schools like uh, Duke, I think Coach K makes like $11 million a year just from his basketball salary alone. That's not it's Olympics. Crazy. That's not, I don't even know if he teaches at all. Um, and so these, these guys are bringing in a lot of money to these schools. And so there's, there's a lot of debate about whether we should be sending our, our top talented um, athletes to HBCUs to give back to the community. Um, and if we were to do something like that, would they still have the oper same opportunities to make it um, to the next level? Um, and so what are you guys thoughts? I know it's been a trending topic for a long time with big, big names trying to push towards going to HBCUs. What, what are you guys general thoughts on that? Uh, well, let me uh, let me put it in perspective for y'all real quick. I got a fun fact cool to bounce off what you were saying. You're talking about like Duke and Coach K. But NC, this from NCAA too, right? This was this was reported last year. This for 2019. For all schools, all 1,100 colleges from D1 to D3. So it don't even matter the division. All three divisions, they made 18.8 billion in uh in revenue, and 3.6 billion was spent on like the, on the students, student aid, like uh, tuition and stuff like that. 3.7 billion was on coaches compensation. Wow. That's it. Out of the 18.8 18.8 billion. So just to put that in perspective. Wow. So when you, when you say give back to the community cool, what what do you mean by that as far as uh sending the the top tier athletes to HBCUs? Yeah, so currently I think one of the, the biggest issues that HBCUs in general face is funding, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a debate about the relevancy of HBCUs and all, I guess, um, minority serving institutions. Um, and so that's the kind of term that includes like Hispanic schools and other kind of minority serving institutions. But the theory is that if, if a Zion Williamson or if a LeBron James came to a North Carolina Central University, those millions of dollars would be funneled into a school in a community that looks like ours, right? Um, and so a lot of people are proponents of trying to get these top athletes, these five-star athletes to come to HBCUs. But I think a lot of athletes don't know if they can make it to the league. Um, and that's a variety of things from coaching to facilities to a number of other factors. I got some uh, fun facts. Uh, so 2.4% of the total undergraduate population is black men. So out of that 2.4%, 55% is pretty much black men are football players and basketball players. So I don't, I don't, all of those teams, and this is power five schools. So like, a, like an athletic department like Alabama, Alabama, Alabama University, 
they made over 174 million last year. And then like the highest gross HBCU is um how you say it, Perryview. Have y'all heard that school for? Perryview, yeah. They made only 18 million. So 174 million compared to 18 million. That's a big difference in uh money. So I mean that's just how how much money HBCU HBCUs are making compared to PWIs. But it's hard. I don't I don't know, like cool to your point. It's like it's hard to to put all that on like certain stars coming out of high school, just black stars. Because if you think about the the money that's coming from um, you know, that these colleges are making a revenue, a lot of it, like even the athletes, like if you talk about all athletics, we're not just talking about basketball, but all the money that that each university makes from athletics. When you talk about the the ethnic background, pretty much from the top down, like from from athletic director all the way down to the coaching, the coaching staff, training staff, everybody, the percentages on mostly all those schools are at least over 60, 70 percent white people, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Here's how I feel about it. Um you have these five-star athletes. And like they say that Bronny is has got an offer from Central. So Bronny was to come to Central. The amount of revenue that would come back into the, the school would be, you know, a highly substantial amount compared to what is right now. I feel like PWIs are hawking top tier athletic talent but do not take top tier, you know, minorities in terms of education. Like there is a disparity. There's like stuff like affirmative action that kicks in and all that, but I'm getting, I'm a little upset about it. Um, They're taking these players and they're putting them on their teams because they know they're going to bring in money. They know they're going to bring in money. If it wasn't for their talent, would they take them? Would they take somebody who comes from an impoverished area and has a spotty background if they didn't shoot a ball well? I don't think so. I feel like a lot of these black players need to go back to these HBCUs, build these HBCUs back up. I mean, just like you said, so much money is put into the athletic departments. Like, I don't even know how much money Central is making right now through their athletic program, but imagine if somebody like Bronny got onto the team. And I don't think it's going to affect whether or not he gets into the league or not, because if you're a good player and you're, you know, y'all are getting wins, it doesn't matter. People are going to look at you. People are like, oh, that guy's a star. And it's Bronny. People are going to look at him anyways. Look who his dad is. Um, I feel like it's going to bring the spotlight back to the HBCUs. People are going to look at it more. I mean, I feel like in the past couple of years, Central has gotten more of a spotlight. I mean, there's things like uh, the Bright Building, which has received grants, you know, millions of dollars, but nothing, you know, is equivalent to the amount of money that can be brought by the athletic department. And, and just to be clear, I don't want it to seem like PWIs take 
complete advantage of um, athletics and HBCUs don't, right? So if we look at uh, Lavelle Moton, he makes more than the chancellor at Central. So I think it's something, depending on the success of your program, athletics do generate a lot of money wherever you go. Um, I think it just depends on how that money trickles back down. Um, and I don't know if you guys know a lot about this, but it just came to my mind. Just the whole concept of, remember, do you guys remember the story about like the Fab Five? Yeah. Um, and just like mm -hmm. the issues of like, you know, these schools are making millions off of the likeness of these players. And some of them, their families can't even afford to keep the lights on, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so selling jerseys that represent the numbers that these guys are wearing, um, is that something that's reasonable if, if the players aren't getting compensation? So I think uh, the NCAA been, like you said, been making money off these kids for forever. forever. Um, I think like players getting paid for their likeness, like they made it a norm for it to be a violation. But I think getting paid for your likeness shouldn't be an issue. Like this should At never all. been a rule in general. I don't have a problem with people getting paid for their likeness. Um, how you guys feel about that? That's another thing I wanted to talk about. I also feel like players getting paid, it doesn't bother me at all. I feel like they should get paid. Like they they play hard, they're talented, they deserve it. And they're capitalizing off of their uh, game and their energy they bring. So I feel like they should get uh, paid too. And I feel like a lot of them are getting paid. Like, for instance, let's use let's use Brandon Ingram. Bring him up again. <laughs> he been a Tar Heels fan all his life. Family, Tar Heels fans, all their lives. Why in the world would he go to Duke? That was, was his, that were different circumstances. That was when we was uh, North Carolina was under investigation. What was his I favorite color? What was his favorite color, Larry? Purple. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But that was, that was different I, circumstances, I, but like I, I know I understand the circumstances, circumstances, but despite those circumstances, like if he really was a Tar Heels fan, like Duke, out of all places, he could have went anywhere else, anywhere. He was gonna make the league anyway. Everybody knew his game. He was gonna make it. Like so, that's another thing. Like I feel like these PWIs are like giving them they're probably giving them handouts under the table or who knows i mean i'm i don't i don't have anything solid you know no, no one really does i mean i feel like they would rather go to those schools because they feel like they are going to get something other than a probably a i wouldn't even say they're getting a way better shot at getting in the league but more or less maybe but i feel like they're getting more than what they're going to get if they join a, a HBCU team. I think it's the publicity though. Like they want to be seen on TV on a regular basis. Like you go to Carolina or Duke, you know, you're going to be on TV once a week, hands down. So if they go to North Carolina Central, what's the chance of you being seen? Like John Morant, he, Mary stays at HBCU, correct? If I'm not mistaken. I think Mary stays at HBCU. I'm not even sure. Um, he wasn't seen until like the NCAA tournament. Exactly. So yeah, even though he's gonna, you're still gonna make it to the league. But I think these high school kids aren't really thinking about that. Like I, we can say that now because we're older. But coming out of high school, you just want to be on TV. 
You know what I'm saying? You want to be seen. You want your talent to be seen. But so I feel I like I feel like we got off topic though. Like what that's that's like from the player's perspective. Like, do you think that the school should pay them though? Like, cause, cause, all right. So, what you think about the, the argument they always like to bring up as far as like, like even that style I just brought up, paying both they it was three about three point six million billion dollars each for, the for the, for student aid and for coaching staff. So, would you would you say that's fair to be like, well, we're paying the coaching staff. And the the kid, the student's tuition, which I mean, at some PWIs is what cool, like an upwards of sixty grand, maybe. Like them them paying that, do you feel like that's that should be enough if that's what they giving the coaching staff to? Obviously not the the head coach, but everybody else down the line. I, mean, I couldn't put, it, I wouldn't put a number on it though. It's hard to put a number on how much you're gonna give somebody because, say for instance, somebody like Zion at Duke, Zion Wimson. You're gonna cap him out at sixty thousand when he's probably he's probably I mean, selling a, mad jerseys. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everybody's coming to see him. They had Barack Obama go to his game. Like I don't know if you want to put a cap on it, or can he make money outside of just? I mean, that. I'm just saying they 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 the cap has been whatever your tuition is is paid for. That's 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 yeah. So I thought I mean. you were saying like, as far as like a cap was was gonna be like that sixty thousand was gonna be how much they make. While they're at Duke, like after tuition is paid. No, I'm just saying. So you think they should get, you know, paid on top of that? Obviously, they're making way more than than what their tuition costs. Yeah. But I mean, you know, is is what they're paying the the coaching staff not the not equivalent somewhat? You get what I'm saying? Oh, so I mean, so you for instance, so, so, so for instance, like, if you think NBA. Like NBA players are getting paid more than coaches, so I mean I would think that you, I mean I would think that you would pay your big time players in college more money than a coach. I mean maybe exactly. not as much as a head coach, but it's yeah. more than an assistant. Yeah, because I mean I would, the gap is significant though. We you said Coach K got what eleven million, eleven million. That's what I was gonna say. Like Coach K is somebody different though, because it's like you the school can argue that Coach K is valuable because he has fans. And he's still going to bring in those season ticket holders next year, regardless of what his players are doing, which is kind of showing this this season what's been going on. But. Yeah, but he has a longevity. He's been coaching for 45 years. <laughs> so, I mean, I do agree with that. But, I mean, if he didn't have players who were winning, he wouldn't be in the conversation. He's not on the court getting those buckets. He's just, hey, do this, do that. He gets he's not the one. He ain't got the – he's not jumping, you know, 30-inch vert, bro. He gets oh, like top, tier, top tier players too. So so to kind of play devil's advocate, right? Um, so we kind of talk about the discrepancy between HBCUs and PWIs. Um, and so there's a school of thought that if you were to pay players for their likeness, the HBCUs could never pay players what these big schools could, and that would only further the gap, That's right? Um, and so would that disparity grow so large that it would give a HBCU no chance of recruiting a player? Um, because if you're only covering tuition and um, and fees, everybody has a better chance, right? And so if a student decides, I want the Howard experience versus the Duke experience, if there's no money involved, there's a chance that I could go to Howard. 
That makes sense. But I feel like if these top prospects take the route of going to HBCU, they would bring the money in. I mean, is that the wrong way of thinking about it? Also, if that's the case, they would have been going to HBCUs. They hadn't. Like, there was no money to be had, but they were still going to the PWIs. It's only going to take one. Like, I, I don't understand one, that. one top prospect uh, to go to HBU, HBCU, then I feel like the rest will follow. So what, you, Nick, so what Nick is saying is that they're not getting paid for their likeness right now, so there's no excuse for them not to be going to HBCUs right now because they're not getting paid for likeness. Well, I think I think they are getting paid now, correct? It's starting next, I think this year or on, next year, on, I think. Okay. But yeah, like, like you're like, saying, okay. like we said earlier, uh, who said Trey said it? Like they're getting more views, that like they're getting seen. So that's the compensation that that's the var- the variable everybody was looking for. So cool. What you're saying is that if they do pay, then there's going to be even more incentive to go to the PWIs. Exactly. So you you're putting the the HPCUs at an impossible disadvantage to recruit, right? Mm-hmm. So if you say, I can afford to pay you a hundred thousand, but Central can only to pay you forty. How would Central ever recruit top talent? Um, and so it'll almost introduce a barrier um, that is not just choosing a school. Now it's a money game, and then HBCs may can't compete. Yeah, that was one issue the NCAA mentioned. That's why they, uh, they were mad when I think California was the first state to, to choose to pay players for their likeness. So that is a big issue as far as like a discrepancy and who can pay the most money. Um, I don't know how to fix that situation. But I mean, I I feel like it might be able to be worked out. I don't know if like the, the money gap would be too low, like you said, for HBCUs, but that's the same problem that a lot of the American professional leagues had when it came to like signing free agents and stuff. Cause you know, like in soccer, there's no salary cap. So that's not stopping, you know, the billionaires from just throwing a bag at somebody Mm. and they like, I'll go play, which is why there's salary caps in the NBA and NFL. You know what I'm saying? So maybe if college put like a salary cap on all the schools, then they can still get paid, but it's like, you can't go over a certain amount. That's real, that would make it fair. I mean, then you're just gonna be stacking these teams and no one was, everyone's gonna be at a disadvantage. Because um, I mean, they still, so with them getting paid for their likes, they still have the opportunity of getting paid outside of the college. Like say for instance, Probably not. You, Probably more not now though. If they if they get money, you, they definitely don't want them like you don't think so? taking anything. No, no. I thought I they would. So I, I'm, so I haven't looked too far into it, but I thought like say for instance, uh, Mikey Williams that everybody talks about in college, I mean high school right now. If he, he went to Central, about going to HBCU. Yeah, he uh, if he goes to Central, say for instance, it's a Honda dealership that's down the street. No, bro. He couldn't. He couldn't go there and drive their car and make yeah. money. For, Bro, he would get he would get he would get in trouble for getting a plate at Chicken Hut if the NCAA (laughs) found out. All right, so what is so 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 what is on what is the NCAA passing with them getting paid for their likeness? Is it just them giving money to the student? Yeah, I mean, feeling what they're finally owed, like they're saying they need to get paid because you know before even now, like when they can't get paid the rules are strict about what you can accept. And, you know, even before, like, that's the re- that's one of the reasons. I mean, everybody knew LeBron was going to the NBA, but when he was considering college, 
because his mom had took out that loan to buy that Hummer, they were like, yo, where'd yeah. you get that money from? You know what I'm saying? Even though they, they, it was proven that she took out the loan and it wasn't from a school, but them thinking that it was from a school, like that jeopardizes, you know, the rules and you, you, you being able to go to a school. But I'm talking about more so the new, what's new, like what's, what's coming. So they but still that's what I'm that. saying. I'm that's what I'm saying. What's coming now? If where if the NCAA is giving you money, oh, you better not take mm-hmm. anything now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before it's like where I mean, of course, we feel like it's unfair, but that's still to keep the integrity of of recruiting. So they like don't don't take anything from schools. But now, if the schools are actually paying you to, yeah, no, nah, you better not take anything. So, all right, so maybe I'm, so maybe I'm dumbfounded then. So, can you pay for your likeness? All right, so six, <laughs> somebody uh, said he dumbfounded. Go ahead. So, li- so listen, so listen to me now. So <laughs> listen to me now. I'm gonna go. Back, I'm gonna go back to Zion Williamson. Uh-huh. So if Zion, I don't know who who his teammate was. He had Cam Bridge on his team. And so Zion Williamson, yeah, he had them on his team. So he brought in all his revenue. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about putting a cap on how much money you can make. Are yes. you really getting paid for your likeness then? Because his likeness is higher than Cam or RJ Barrett. Right, right. So I read somewhere really, that that would um, only be yeah, that would just to keep to keep it fair. Like the rules would be you're getting paid for your likeness, but everybody knows Zion is the reason that Duke is yeah. making more money than than Cam or RJ. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, re- I read somewhere that they said that um Zion would have made about five million. Yeah. During his time, I'm, I'm learning more yeah. right now talking to you guys. I'm, I thought I really thought like, say for instance, Zion sold so and so jerseys at, on Duke campus. He would make twenty five percent of that money. I didn't think it would be like a cap. So it's I'm, just I'm I feel like I feel like it's just dangerous, Dominique, when you get into into a point of of like giving that a player that much power. Like it's it's known that that he's the reason, but you can't be like we're going to pay him more for his likeness. You know, that that one will cause, I feel like will cause friction between the teammates. And mm. then two, it'll give, it'll give him power, give his family power that, that's necessary. You know what I'm saying? Like- That's all, can, that's all the can, reason that- Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I mean, he can ask for like every night, someone need to come in and rub his feet and Duke would be like, yeah. Like it just give you too much power. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. As a student. That's all the reason not to pay them, though. That's what I was about to talk about when y'all was done. Like, who's to say who gets what? Mm-hmm. And if and if they make it even across the board, like, if if I'm Zion, I'm like, yo, I'm putting in all the work. I'm getting more numbers and more publicity and doing more than everybody. Why am I getting paid the same as them? Yeah. And then they do give them uh, more pay. And then here come the other guys, like, why is he getting paid so much? You know, it's, it's just a whole bunch of different controversy. And I feel like it's better off that no one gets paid. Let's put this in perspective though. Duke, a three-year average of their revenue was $35.4 million. They had a profit of 14.6. 14.6, that's an average. So we don't know how much they made individually each year. That's $14.6 million that's going back into their pockets. So. You know, you have this team, it wouldn't be anything to just take out and break it up amongst the players. So, no, I was just gonna say, I'm gonna I'm play devil's advocate again because the concept of paying people for their likeness is not unheard of, right? So, when mm-hmm. I was in undergrad, I got paid to work in the lab, 
I was a science student. I, I had a talent. I went in the lab. I produced research. Trey knows. Shout out to LSM. We were getting paid, right? So mm. I remember like I could be in the lab getting paid twenty dollars an hour. You might be in the library getting paid twenty dollars an hour to to sit at the desk, and there's somebody getting paid twenty dollars an hour to tutor. But these guys have to dedicate all their time and they don't get compensated at all. That's true. And so it's kind of an interesting dynamic that some people on campus get paid for their time and others don't. Um, and it's kind of, is, is the tuition enough? I mean, at a lot of these D1 schools, most of these players don't go to class in the spring. You get through the fall, barely make it, you go to March Madness and you go to the draft. They don't even go to class in the spring. Mm -hmm. So is the tuition a benefit or is it just the legality of paperwork that they got to fill out so the, the guys can play? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's so I feel like it, it teaches it'll just teach like those kind of lessons early, too, because at the same time, I feel like those problems that Larry was talking about, that's that's different when, like even in the NBA, they go through that, you know what I'm saying? Like you, if you, Joe Harris, you realize the team, we, we gonna give you 12 million for two years. You looking, you can't just look at LeBron and be like, why are you getting 40 million a year? You know what I'm saying? But in college, kind of to put everybody, even though it's likeness and you're bringing in that money, to keep everybody like on that on that same playing field and because it's a choice too at the same time like that'll I guess they'll just have to work out like the contracts but you're you're agreeing to come to this school and it's for this reason you know what I'm saying because you have a choice you don't have to come if you don't want to you know what I'm saying and I guess that makes it like full circle like what school you choose like maybe if like if if you can only get paid sixty thousand dollars but a HBCU can pay you the same thing then. So, so, and that, that brings up another question. Should one year of professional or one year of college even be required for these athletes? Right. Um, and so their job, their potential career is to be an athlete. Mm. What does college have to do with that? Right. What, what is this year? Is this just a year of taking money? and making money off their talents. Like, what are your guys' general thoughts on, cause I know, was LeBron, was that the last year you could go straight to the league? Nah, 2004, Dwight yeah. and them, yeah. Um, so what are, your, what are your general thoughts on players being able to go straight to the league, whether that's the NFL, um, the NBA, because a lot of these kids don't want to go to college and they're only going because they don't want to mm -hmm. go overseas. Yeah, but who's to say that these I mean, just because you're a five-star athlete doesn't mean that you're going straight to the league after your first year. You don't know. So I would think they should stay for a full year. I mean, that's just my opinion on it. Well, what you mean, that's you You saying, like, you stay to kind of test themselves at the college level of basketball? If we, if we like, if we're talking about basketball specifically, like, what do you mean that we don't know if they can even go to the NBA, so they need to go to college? To is it to test the waters, like to test their skill set, so, or what? So the way, so the way I no, so the way I, I perceived the question was he's saying that 
Like, should these kids go to college for a year if they know they're going to the league? Sorry, is that what you're saying, Cool? No, I'm saying if if their desire is to get to the league, should they have to go to college? Oh, right? so, so they still go straight back to the league if they can? Yeah, like, should that be a rule? Yeah. Oh, this shouldn't be a rule. It should should never be a rule. No. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think the league is I think the league is going back to allowing these kids to go straight to the league or they have the G League. So uh, Mm. I think they're doing away with that. I feel like yeah, if anything, they go to the G League if you're coming straight out of high school. I guess I don't know, unless you're just that phenomenal of a player. Um, I feel like it's politics. I feel like maybe it's like hey, you go to the school. Like, and we want to bring in some revenue too before they go off to the big show. And maybe the NBA is like, let's see how they do on a higher level than high school, you know, before we actually want to pick them up. And I feel, yeah, I feel like even maybe like they, they work together somewhat. Cause think about like NBA's revenue. If you, if you watch a whole season of basketball and you're excited, like kind of all the hype behind uh, Zion Williamson, there's no hype for a number one pick or a draft night if you haven't somewhat seen these kids exactly. playing in college. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like that's what that's the that's what incites them to to come to yeah. you know having to play in college before entering. I feel like that's the only reason the NBA agreed to that because at the because I don't think it should be a rule. You know what I'm saying? If you good enough to go, you should try out. Them people better get on hoop mixtape, ball is life. Home court, they better. Hey, them kids be out there hooping. They don't need yeah. no college. But you know, it's it's just the average person. I think doesn't look at all that. They just, you know, they watch the games. You know, most people they know who Zion Williamson's because they they hear it every day. It was every day when he was in college, and uh, I think it. Yeah, it's uh, got a lot to do with um, them working together. College is that first big stage, I guess. It's where you generate your buzz. Unlike people like LeBron who was just a freak of nature. Um, everybody doesn't have that luxury. Or Kobe. Or Brandon Ingram. So, so Kobe daddy played ball. So, um, so for these guys that are, are going into college, do you guys think there should be any mandatory classes on finances and money um, just in general since they are potentially projected to make a lot of money um, we know there's a lot of athletes who have went to the league and are now broke. Um, and so if it's a part, of, if college is a necessary part of their professional growth, should there be classes that prepare them for, for life as a professional? No, I'll, I'll let you go, Nick, but no, no. I feel like all not. students should take those type of courses, not just people going off to the league. I think everybody should take some type of course of curriculum that teaches you how to manage your money, maybe how to invest, you know, different opportunities in order to accumulate wealth in the long run. But what if, what if it was only, what if it was only for the, like to go to the court to answer the question or if it was for athletes, should it be mandatory for athletes? Yes. I'm going to tell you why. I mean, if you're going to make them take language arts, why not make them take a finance class? Because you don't make any of the other students take a, a finance class. I don't see what's the problem. I say, all right, yeah, they don't make any other student go to 3 a.m. workouts and stuff either. I mean, it's a part of the thing. It's they're going to some, they're doing this to get to the next level, to get to the next stage. 
But it's only to the next step. The next level, next stage is gonna. If they do make it to there, it's gonna have a lot, a large amount of money. You don't want to see them just. But nobody made cool go to finance class, even though he he he's eventually gonna. He's making six figures. Like if it's just about money, why do they need to take a finance class if nobody else has to? Well, like I said, I feel like everybody should have to take it. You should. I'm saying you're looking at it from an athletic. You're looking at it from an athletic standpoint. No, I'm looking at it from from like the mandatory standpoint. Do I think it's smart? Yes, but you shouldn't. It shouldn't be mandatory. I feel like it should be mandatory, especially for not just basketball players, but all college athletes. So, but who's to say that these specific players are going to make it big and make millions? Like I'm with Trey. Like they might. They might not. Mandatory. Okay, look, like, at high, look at high school. Do when they prepare you for college, who said you're going to college? You know what I'm saying? More than likely, especially when it comes to basketball and football. But you yeah. just said high school, though. Like, I know school, all the students. Because he said, who's to say they're going to make it big? Yeah, but that's, we. That's what they was referring to. But the question is kind of like grouping this one, like specifically these basketball athletes who are going to make a lot of money. And that's the only reason why. Okay, we it'll be fair if it was, yeah, if it was all college students, yeah. But the question, question. so basketball, right? You got the NBA. I just watched a documentary not too long ago, and one of the uh, people that who are big in the NBA, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, Big Shaq, Mm -hmm. everybody know him. He Mm -hmm. was talking about how he almost like pretty much lost all his money. Mm-hmm. Buying everybody's stuff, being careless with his with his money. He he didn't have any guidance at all. And they say the the most the number one reason why a lot of NBA players, especially young ones, very young ones, rookies, go broke is is because they gamble. Like they just that's how careless they are with their money. The more money they have, the more they're gonna gamble away, the more they're gonna mm-hmm. they they're gonna get, they're gonna buy uh try to live outside their means, even though their means got way larger than it was previously but they're still gonna find some way to live outside their means. If they would have been taught how to manage their money, like if, if it was a mandatory in college, everyone would have been all right. Cause it's, it's people today that we don't even know about who are going through like a big financial crisis. That's a good point. That's literally That's the so- point I was about to bring up. Like you talk about Shaq, but it's Sue at the pharmacist who didn't manage her money either. Okay. But I, I will so, say this though. Can I say I, one I thing? I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, uh, so I understand that. My thing is, I know like the NFL and the NBA, since we talk about professional sports, I know that when these guys come in, like rookies, they are getting financial courses from the NBA and the NFL. So that's, I guess, that's what my opinion stems from. Because I know in interviews with other, like by athletes, they would talk about how they have classes for these rookies coming in so they don't go through that. But I mean, like, most of them spend their money before they get there, though. Exactly. Yeah, before they even get to the course. The moment they get that check, they blow it. And the, and the argument was for what, D1 schools, right? So there's a large well, not chance- Not necessarily, No, it's just basketball. It's just, basketball. just sports, athletes, athletes in oh, okay. general. I, I, I think it should just be mandatory. Why and not? You, well, said, I, gonna hurt. you said Sue get, get uh, Sue don't take financial courses. Sue not making as much money as NBA rookies making being no pharmacists like that rapidly, that fast. They they making money, but like their money. But that's not that's that's their problem. Like you should you should have like some people don't know, but you should have other people in your ear. I don't think you should make that course mandatory if you're not making it for everybody else. If you're not yeah, making it pro- mandatory for everybody. Well, 
It's uh, probably also, only like 2% of the, of the athletes in college or 1% actually going to professional leagues. And so we're yeah. going to make everybody take it, take a course but, when it's only like 1% going to the league. Yeah. So I'm I'm an advocate for making people take it. I think is I don't care if you didn't need it because mm-hmm. I think if cuz if we think about how these coaches in these schools are hand plucking the most talented and gifted kids out of our communities Yep. exploiting them and not giving them the tools to be successful. Right. That's kind of a slap in the face because where you got them from, you know, they didn't have the two, like, come on now. You didn't get them from the suburbs. Right. Um, uh-huh. And so it may be not mandatory courses, but there should be a big effort to give them tools because of where you got them from. Right. They don't have the financial literacy. They don't, they don't have that knowledge. These aren't the brightest kids in the world. We know, we know the kids, like we talked about the UNC investigation. These kids ain't doing their homework. These, these kids ain't going to class. You really bring them there just to make money. Um, so not why not provide those resources for them? Um, so that's my only, I guess the argument. It's not, it's not why not provide it. It's why why make it mandatory. Specific, right? specific for athletes. I feel I agree with it you. All that, needs, all that needs to be done. All these players need, they need role models. They need mentors. But that's when you talk about from the top, when you talk about like these white coaches, athletic directors all the way down, plucking these black kids out of out of the, the hood. Out of nothing. <laughs> they're you're you want them because they play basketball not you don't care how they spend their money once you once they leave but you should but you yeah, should exactly. yeah that's the, that's what i'm saying like you you should care and you should put that investment in them right right so that that's kind of how i feel about it like you should you should care where they it's end like up like the ethical um, thing and to that do. and if we don't if we don't demand that we're selling ourselves short right if we're letting people out of our communities get pulled, put money into other communities, and then go broke trying to make it, I think we're selling ourselves short um, as a community. So, so, you so are we selling ourselves short? You, you, by- you an advocate okay. for all students though, right? Cool. All black students should take well, finance courses. No for, matter I what think finance courses students. should be in high school. Yeah. Um, yep. In general, but I think if the, if we're talking about pay, like we talked about paying players, if I'm going to pay you, I have every right to require you to take this class because now you're more than a student. If we're talking about getting paid for your likeness and all this and that, I don't think it's unreasonable to require you to take classes um, and finance. But I think it benefits the university as well because the better you manage your finances, the more you can even give back to the university, right? As an alum or somebody who left. um, So I think not making them do it is a cop-out, right? It's like, it's showing you, like, I don't care if you, I don't care what you do with your money. I got what I needed. And there's another right. black kid right behind me. You brought me these millions and I'm satisfied. You got you to think, like- Shut up and dribble. Most talented athletes, they come from nothing. Majority of, majority of the most talented, like raw talent, no skill, just all talent. You know, they get to college and they play sports and they get groomed into being better. But the most talented, they come from nothing. And like, what in the world is someone who came from the the, the slum gonna do as soon as they touch a hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars? That's that money's gone in an instant. They feel like it's a lot. Everybody think it's a lot, but it's not a lot 
once you get it, it, it goes so fast, it's ridiculous. Cause you get a, you, you, people have different tastes. When you don't have anything, your taste is, when you're poor, your taste is poor taste. When you have more money, your taste becomes more elegant. You start wanting all the high fashion. You start wanting more. That's how that's how it's gonna go for them kids. But, and but they, to play, but to play devil's advocate, I feel like where again we do we do have a responsibility and you should care, but this particular group, if like I could agree with cool, like if you saying starting from high school, all kids should know financial literacy. But to say that now, like it's almost like we're coddling millionaires. Like I'm I'm not like maybe I'm an ass, but like I don't feel bad if a millionaire loses a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Just because you used to eat bologna sandwiches and now like, cause you got a hundred thousand, like you said, you want off white shoes. You want Balenciaga, you want this. You know but, what I'm saying? I, but bro, I feel it, like that's exploitation though. Like, I feel like you know, like they don't know. I they think owe, they owe them because they made them so much money. That's what you saying? Right. I feel like part of it is there's a maturation process. So we're not mm -hmm. talking about people who are 30, 40. Right. We're, we're talking, talking about, about teenagers. kids who are 17. Right. Right. So I think, I don't, I don't know the answer. It's almost like setting them up for failure. Kind of sort of. But I mean, so we, this is for all kids too, though. Like I'm just. Oh, okay. How about this then? How about you have to opt out, but you are automatically enrolled in the courses? And so I'm you chose not to take it, but you're automatically enrolled in it when you get there. That'll be fine. Yeah. So it's your choice. It's just, like, I feel like, I, I, I don't feel know. Like y'all you... that went hard, like it's for someone losing, not knowing how to manage. And then maybe I, I would love that problem that it's harder to manage a million dollars rather than a hundred thousand dollars a year. But like, and like all those other students in that school, y'all just like, it like it's it's all right. They them them not knowing how to manage their money is fine, but we need to make sure this millionaire knows how to manage. Yeah. No, 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 we we made a question the about basketball. We didn't make it about everybody else. We yeah. made it about a basketball mm -hmm. athlete. That's the that's yeah. the whole all thing. All students aren't created equal. Let's not joke. Let's not play. No. Zion is not equal to Daryl Lewis, the science man. But that's that's like All that's like cry, but that equal. but that's like Crimea River though. Like True. It, no, I see why I don't feel that. I don't feel bad if you made, if you got thirty million dollars in your bank account, you blow it. Eighteen or not, you know what I'm saying? You have a mom. You you might not have a mom, but you have people that you run into. You should have a circle at that point. And like you said, even if it was this one class, that's just one resource. And I I mean I just don't personally feel bad. My bottom line on this, and I'm gonna shut up afterwards. If you are an athlete and you get a full ride, mm -hmm. meaning they see a lot of potential, you're gonna make it somewhere, it's a high probability. If you get a full ride, mandatory finance classes. Yeah, I feel what Cool was saying as far as like it, it like exploitation, you know what I'm saying? Like they should care if they're paying, like if they're making that much money from those students, they should care in the long term, you know what I'm saying? I'll tell you what, man. You about to say something, Domo? No, I'm good, I'm good. All right, so before we wrap it up, um, just in general, I did want to hit outside of players. So there's definitely discrepancies that we see across the leagues when it comes to coaching in general. Um, do, you, do you guys feel 
that black coaches in general, are they given the same opportunities as white coaches within college and within the NBA as well? Bro, let me give you these these stats right Please. now, bro. This is from and this is from 2012, 2012 to 2019. Let's go. This let's start. Let's start with all right. If we look at all divisions, all schools from 2012 to 2019, it hasn't jumped at 88%. It hasn't gone under 88% of white coaches. 88% of, of all coaches in the NCAA are white. All right. And we go down, we talk about like HBCUs and stuff. Let's go down to like division, even division three. You know what I'm saying? Division three, and this has been it's been the same number since 2012 to 2019. 91% of, of division three college coaches are white. 91%. What's do, the percentage do you, do you of, the being of the players? Being black? Yeah. So like I can go ahead. I can tell I can tell you like NBA or like NBA and NFL, like, like NBA wise, 80 81% of the league is, is black. But there's only it's only eight, four. It's only it's only eight black coach um black coaches in, in in the league right now. And four head coaches, right? Or is it eight eight head? It's coaches? eight. It's eight black co um black coaches in the league right now. But NFL, right. there's only two black coaches, and it was just ten vacancies. Uh, I think over the last uh, season it was ten vacancies only, and no black coach got a um offer. So it's pretty sad how these numbers look. And y'all was talking, y'all was asking about the student, the student population. It was about like six, it was, as far as the student athletes, it was it's about 16. It's been floating around like 16% that the of black athletes for all those uh, years since 2012. So I know it was a big talk in the NFL about, I don't know the terminology, but it was kind of like affirmative action for coaches to guarantee. The Rooney rule. Yeah. So, what are, what are your your thoughts on that? And if you could explain it a little bit. All right. So the Rooney rule is so the Rooney rule is pretty much uh they're trying to they're trying to force owners to interview black coaches. It's like they're giving them incentives to uh, interview black coaches. So they'll give them like a say for instance, I, I interview cool. They'll give me like a a fifth round pick, like an extra pick or something like that. Mm. So. They're trying to do that, but this year it didn't even work. Like nobody even hired or interviewed black coaches. They just trying to get these guys in the in the room to get interviewed. It's not even them getting the job. But that's pretty much what it is. How do y'all feel about the Ronyville? They, they trying they trying to just give them a chance to like be heard, what bring what they can offer besides their resume, what they can offer as a head coach. That's that's pretty much the whole concept of the, of the Rooney Rule. But because they they're giving it to these these white guys, they don't get interviewed. They just be like, "Hey, I want you." Like they just pick him out. Like he's going to be the coach. Like they come picking coaches who don't have a large resume or anything like that. They they're so, just giving them a job. And these a lot of these black coaches have like way more accolades and put in way more time and work than the uh, coaches who are there hiring. So I have a better question uh, towards this. So do you guys feel like these white owners are hiring white coaches all the time because they pretty much are hiring people they relate to or are they purposely not hiring black coaches due to just racism? How do y'all feel about that? I feel like it's, I feel like it's both. Yeah, I feel even, like they're doing it for racism and they can't really relate to them. I feel like even like the Rooney rule sounds like it's just for optics. 
You know what yep. I'm saying? Like, it's literally just so you can, like, if anybody tries to be like, you know, that you're not even giving them a chance, they like, we interviewed him. Like, he in the room, that, that should cover us for whatever, you know, for whatever. And as far as, like, the white owners, I don't know, like, in... In like the NFL, I know a lot of it comes from from like your previous work. Like I know, and like who you know, almost like if you were like an old coordinator for somebody, they like I know I know him. Like there's no like I like the way his mind works, and and that's it. Um, which it just sucks that it's not a lot of representation to start with from the coaching staff, like not even the head coach, you know what I'm saying? Like not getting these little opportunities. And in the NBA, yeah, it's just, I mean, I guess, I don't know, like who you know, it's a lot of generational stuff. Like it was his son, his his son right here, he can coach and, you know, it's, and then it's, it's, it's almost like the, in the NBA, and I don't know, I guess it's cause it's just a small like sample size, but it's almost like whenever there's a vacancy, isn't it like almost the same names always get thrown around though? All like the time. when we talk about like who you interviewing, it's already, it's just like four, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I feel like the NBA is almost like you have to be coaching for a really long time to even, you know, get your name out there. And then if you get like a, a, a first time job, you're somebody's son, like like your boy Silas from from the Rockets or Saunders' son at the um, the Timberwolves. Yeah, oh, it's definitely a club by the look of it. So, so do you guys think Mark Jackson was robbed? Yeah, I feel like he, I heard he was blackball. Yeah, most definitely. I feel like his name is purposely being left out of conversations because of, they were saying because of his um. Because of like his religious beliefs and stuff like that. Yeah, like dude. not only is a black coach, but he loves to like talk about praying and yeah. and church on Sunday. Like he gonna he always he's he's gonna stay true to himself. And and I guess owners and stuff don't like the optics of that. Just because when has that you know, ever been an issue? Yeah, and it's just weird. And I guess I don't know if it's like a reverse of of they're trying to make sure that the the organization and everything stays. That, yeah, inclusive and stays diverse as possible. Like, there's no there's no uh, strict religion here, but it's like if but Mark Jackson gonna I mean, be praying with with his players, it's like I mean, you don't have to join the prayer, but like, what's wrong with him praying if it's some of the other players that believe the same thing he does? I feel like that's a cop out. I just I just do. I feel like that's a cop out. Like somebody pursuing their religious belief. I mean, I don't think there's ever been an issue before. I've never heard that, at least not in sports. Like, I mean, they, uh, they sing the, the the national anthem. <laughs> there's so many sports teams that, that pray before they uh, play a game, like black I mean, I think or white, it, it don't even matter. I think it was a guy named Chris Jenkins. I think it's, uh, he changed his name to Mahmoud Raul. I mean, he got black ball out of the league in like the 90s, so. They've been doing this for a while, man. It's nothing new. Yeah, and Nick, you talking about um like the cop out, but yeah, it's these is the same, like it's the same people that like will be mad if you if you kneel during the, the national anthem too. So it's like I don't know, super super conservative, I guess. So do you yeah. um, y'all want to talk about uh coach Moten? Do y'all want to get into that? Uh, yeah, where, where we at right now, cool. I mean, like, we, yeah, so that's around, that's the man. we skipped over that, but that's the last thing 
that we kind of did it on. We good on time. We, we actually got two things we could talk oh. about, but yeah, we can get Oh, and I made the mistake. Yeah. I said the national anthem. I meant God bless America is what they say. So yeah, because we ain't talking. I think about like an hour and ten minutes in. I think. Yeah, we ain't talk about the Howard situation with that uh the player, the five star player. We could do a part two. <laughs> Look, Dominique, cool. Dominique got his book. He like, yo, we need to talk <laughs> about because I'm this following stuff. my stuff, man. Hey, man. We, yeah. Hey, we, but let's just talk about Coach Moke, man. Do y'all think he should uh stay at Central or go to a PWI or NBA or take an NBA job? What y'all think about that? I mean, if not, that's strange. Do y'all are y'all informed on like the the everything that happened like the situation with with state nope like with state not, yeah when like possibly i know nc state when they was looking for the a coach before they hired the um the coach that was at uh uncw i believe at unc wilmington which he's black too you know what i'm saying but okay. that's why i heard they were uh interested in uh in coach moat when uh when they were looking for the vacancy, but I don't know like what went into his thinking or what happened or like what, if that's when Century offered him like a pretty big contract or what. See, my thing is I, I can't tell somebody what to do. Like maybe his dream was to get to the NBA one day as a coach. So, I mean, I can't be mad if he leaves a HBCU to pursue his dreams. I mean, that's just my opinion. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think so neither. I feel like you can be, if you can be more impactful in in college or whatever that is, even high school, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's a lot of NBA coaches that, you know, not, not, it's not a bad thing. That's like, you're like, it's, it's coming at your coaching skills and saying you're a bad coach, but you'll see like a lot of NBA coaches kind of like funnel out or just blend in if that makes sense like you just kind of blend in with the crowd whereas like you'll make you know you'll make your stand in college which I kind of feel like he he would have been a uh and I know we talking about coach Mo but to go into coach K from Duke you know coaching the USA squad and stuff like he would be a good NBA coach but I feel like he you know knew that his legacy would is is at Duke and and that's where he wanted to stay. So I don't, if that's like Dominique said, if that's something he wanted to do, then do it. Like that was his dream to be in the NBA, but like you can make a a name for yourself, which he already has like, and be a legend at Central. And you don't really have to go anywhere. Like you well known in the MEAC already. Like everybody know you can coach, coach your tail off. So, you know, I, I wouldn't leave if, if that's like, not something I wanted to do. I feel like some people would, I mean, I wouldn't say this, but I feel like some people, if he went to a PWI, some people might try to say he's a sellout. Do y'all think that's far-fetched? I'm not me saying that, but I feel I like see that some people would say that. I yeah. could see that happening. They'd be like, oh, he just wanted to upgrade to a PWI. Then he went where the money was at or something like that. But where the money I mean, reside, I feel like, where the money reside. I feel like, I feel like he would say, <laughs> in his own words, I feel like if you was really, if you was really rocking with him, you'll be, you'll be proud of him wherever you went. Yeah, because I mean, people know his heart. Because you know, people I, I saying to a couple of interviews. Out. The people who say like you sell out, those be just haters, bro. That just mad that they didn't get that opportunity or they not in a position. Like, don't people mad it if he went to state? They can't even be the water boy at Central. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. and he went to Central too as well. He's an alum and played at Central. So I think he's gave Central more than enough of his life um, if he wanted. I think the only thing. 
from our perspective is we kind of talk about the discrepancies and opportunities and in, in the NBA. I don't know. I would hate to see him lose his impact. Right. And so you go from being so such impactful on this basketball program, you shift to the league and you at the end of somebody's bench, you the 10th coach and yeah. you know, what kind is there a legacy in that? You know, can you overcome mm. that? And is it realistic to work your way up the ranks? Um, so that would be my only concern about him moving up, yeah. at least professionally. Because it is, like you said, it is like an impact and like just the culture. And it'd be like the little things, like the fact that, like, he's still well connected, like, throughout professional coaching to like the league and you know him bringing in you know if Chris Paul in town he gonna stop by you know what I'm saying and that's just a picture of Chris Paul on Central's campus like if he left you know all that would go to I feel like yeah, I think yeah. he, he still coaches the under 19 USA team so he has connections like you said it's pretty maybe he should just stay you know and then before we round out um McCurr, Maker, Mikey Williams, Bronny James, would these big name players, if they went to HBCUs, would it make a difference? Would it set a trend? Does it not matter at all? What are your last thoughts on that? So I think, like I said earlier, it only take it only take one or two, then everybody gonna follow suit. I think, uh, I mean, like McCorm Maker, he's already making that transition to uh, Howard. I think he starts uh, this summer, I mean, this fall. But I think uh, it'll take 10 to 15 years. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but I do think more people are going to begin to do it. These uh, five-star prospects would really consider doing that just to try to put finances into these uh, HBCUs. I'm going to play devil's advocate, and I have a fear. I have a fear uh, about something like that. Um, if you go to Central, there are Central has recently received more money. You can see they're building up, um, they're growing, they're expanding. But sometimes I wonder, will they lose, you know, their roots? Like, what if it grows too big? Hey, cool. <laughs> Why you look like that? Cool. <laughs> Okay. Wait, how would they explain, get yeah, wait, explain. Wait, black players? Kind of, said too big. Because the player is still black. I guess right? he's trying to say like the money going into the program. I mean, going to the school might. Like, he said, he I said have roots. a fear that HBCU, the HBCU will become too popular. And like, it'll be a trendy thing to go to. It should be. Like, so what's wrong with that? Yeah. I don't, I don't see how that hurts the community. Not I, to I, black people. Like what are you saying? Like white people will start like more. Like, and I have nothing down? against white people going to HBCU. You can't but water black with people? black. <laughs> I'm not talking That's, about black that... black. I'm talking about what if it gets water? Like how they changed the NC Central and like now they stop See, using the seal with James E. Shepard. That's not the same. I think that's and more just... like gentrification. The school is trying to be diverse to attract more people that are non-black. Right. But I think top five-star athletes coming would make the school more black. Like Maybe. if LeBron James and Dwayne Wade was at Central Games, more black people would want to go to Central. I don't think it would. Yes, more black people. Would. Everybody else would want to come to Central. And I feel no, they like. won't. You don't if think so? If it's too many of us. Nah, but know. even if we did, it's just it's like a population thing. Like I don't feel like it's gonna 
I don't, I feel like you was kind of grouping in like Central losing its roots, meaning that Central need to stay this small, janky, like, no, you know no, what I'm no, saying? No, like, no, that, no. I'm talking about in terms of, I guess how people are, are like, all right, so. Like you saying it's gonna grow out of a HBCU or something? Like it'll be H- just like the way it's been, bro. Like, I, like I, when I, I first think... came to Central, it felt very, very black because it was small. Maybe, maybe because the so, community, maybe because the community. Dangerous. Hold on, hold on, and it, um, I, it felt very, very black. But now I'm seeing like when you get you get on the brochure and you see the banners and it's like a white person on. But the I don't, I don't think that has nothing like, to do with what we talking about. Like almost like as a business owner, that that makes me think of like the bigger my business grows, does that make me less black owned? Like I'm so still. What I'm worrying about black. is I hope Central mm-hmm. don't sell out. I guess that's what I'm saying. DC, but was, I don't think that's related time. to what this conversation, mean? though. What I you mean? So I'm still curious though, because we were just talking about Coach like, Mo. Coach Mo they, going to state means he's a sellout. So Nick, you were one of those people I was talking about. What do you mean sellout? If Central was to sell out. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it alone. I get what you're saying. I get you like I you know, you hear the rumors about UNC Durham, you hear the talks about enrollment across colleges in general. And so Central is campaigning to say, what can we do to fill the seats, right? Mm-hmm. Black or white, they don't care. It's about it's but, about money. Yeah. It's about money, it's about funding. But I don't, but I get that. I do agree with that point, but I don't think black better black athletes, I don't think contributes to that. No, Sam, I'm playing better uh, uh, devil's advocate because I think it would be awesome if these five-star athletes go to Central. I'm just saying in the long run, down the road, I'm hoping that it doesn't come to that type of situation where Central's just like, this is what we gonna do. We're gonna have Quidditch on on the yard now, you know? So I, I got, um, we can get off that. I got one uh, example. So like, all right, so De- who phone was that? So do y'all, do y'all know who, who Deion San- y'all know who Deion Sanders is? Prime time. Yeah, man. Yeah, he just right. got a coaching job. Is. All right, so he's the coach at Jackson State. You know, I think it's the college. He brought in other NFL players to uh, coach with him. Uh, Terrell uh, Owens, I think. He got like Warren Sapp, and he got a lot of uh, other assistants with him, and they're bring, starting to bring in like big time athletes, like five-star athletes, four-star athletes. So I think like his program specifically, they're going to start bringing in like these big at big time athletes and colleges are going to, colleges are probably going to copy them, that, that focus and probably find more NFL point. players or NBA point. players to bring them in to coach. So I think yeah. that would probably make these kids begin to go to HBCUs. Like if Penny Hardaway was the coach at, at at Shaw University, I'm pretty sure a five-star athlete would be cool going to that college. Yeah. So. The only the only downside I'll say in playing devil's advocate is there are black athletes at HBCUs now, and so if you took the black athletes from Ohio State and you put them in Central, there's a whole group of people who will never get an education, right? Um, and so at a lot of these HBCUs, they actually graduate. And so there will be that weird dynamic that a lot of students who get scholarships now at HBCUs, if there was an influx of five-star and four-star players 
there are a lot of people who may not get the opportunity to go to college. I wouldn't think of it like that. I would just, I would just, I would just think it's a balance then. It would balance itself out. So like, say for instance, Central gets a five-star athlete, Ohio State might end up with a three-star athlete this time, or a person that was at Central would go to Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? So it might balance itself out. Somebody, somebody smacked the hell out of them. Oh, my fault, fellas. <laughs> but yeah, but I think it'll balance itself out. You know what I'm saying though? I mean, maybe, but I mean, I don't know, <laughs> like, like a gong. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I didn't hear it. Like if you think about basketball, it's only 12 slots. They probably giving eight scholarships. If you bring five top recruits, it's gonna be some boys that's hurt. I guess they could go to smaller schools and it probably would shuffle out, like you're saying. But I think at first it's gonna displace a lot of a lot of people. Because um, I don't know necessarily that Ohio State or Kentucky would just say, well, well, you know what? Never mind. They probably would just keep going. They have to, you still have to find athletes. somebody else. You would have to find the next person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's only like 50 star. 50 so you feel like everything athletes. would just be more balanced? Yeah. If that happened, they would win. I would, I would love to see, especially because it's almost like when you look at the Olympics and mm-hmm. you see – all these teams with these black or African players, like I would just love to see an HBCU with black players dominate. Like we're dominating the sport. We're just not at black schools. Oh, I would so, love to see an HBCU in the NCAA tournament win the championship. Like right. when have the, we seen that? The last look, y'all, y'all going back to uh, segregation days. <laughs> That's the win. Uh, who was it? The uh, Glory Road. What school was that? <laughs> Texas. I don't remember. Prairie. It was something like te- Prairie, Texas, or something like that. When they beat uh, Kentucky. Yeah, I have never seen. I don't think I ever seen an HBCU. I mean, no. I probably have, but I don't don't think I seen one in the Sweet Sixteen. C- Central yeah. beat State one time, and what like a. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember Central winning, but Sweet Sixteen, I haven't seen the HBCU. Yeah. Never came. It's, back it is going to gonna take. A, I think it's going to take. In my opinion, I think it's going to take at least in basketball. I think it's going to take at least four players. I don't think it can be one or two. Like you, I think it'll take at least four players to like compete because like the schedules aren't as difficult. So you can't be losing games in order to get seated. So like you need to be almost going undefeated. So. And you still, you got to win that seeding game too. Even like, cause it's sad. Like you'll go number one in the yeah, MIAC or something and you still got to be a 15 seed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we're going to wrap it up. We appreciate y'all for rocking with us today. I know we, we kind of switched the discussion up on y'all a little bit. Talked about issues in the black community. Um, as black men, we definitely think it's important to highlight these issues and kind of discuss them. Um, so let us know what you think in the comments. Make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you hear podcasts. We look forward to connecting with you. Um, so peace out until next time. Have a good one. This podcast is brought to you by Optical Illusions Photography and Media. Let us capture your best moments in the perfect way.